What's going on, everybody? This is your man, Big Stu, Scott Stewart, or Professor Stewart, depending on how you know me. And welcome back to another edition of Dope People, where we highlight dope people that are doing dope things, especially in education. In this episode, we are not letting you down. We are still continuing to bring the heat. Today's guest, Mr. Rion Gibson, y'all. Mr. Rion Gibson, welcome to Dope People, brother. Oh, thank you for having me, sir. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, look, let me tell the people just a little bit about you before we get going. Listen. Mr. Gibson is the author and the creator of the Diz Wiz series, LLC, which is a children's social and emotional learning book series. Mr. Gibson is a motivational speaker, a professional development provider, and a director of students and family services in the great state of Illinois. Mr. Gibson Diz Weird Series in the building. What's happening, brother? What's happening, man? Oh, man. A lot of blessings going on. It's a blessing to be here with you today, and thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. We're going to dig into a little bit more about the work that you do, particularly around this Diz Weird Series, right? You are an education. You are an educator. You are a consummate professional. You come highly recommended to be here on Dope People. But before we get into that, how about we play a round of this or that? Are you familiar with this or that, brother? Yes, sir. All right. So here we go. I'm going to give you a couple of options. This is an opportunity for people to know you on a more personal level, right? Mm -hmm. I give you two choices, this one or that one. You pick the first one that comes to your mind. You don't have to explain why you chose it. We'll go through a number of them and then... We'll move on with our conversation. You good with that? Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. All right, let's do it. Let's have some fun, man. White meat or dark meat? I'm going to have to go with dark meat. Okay. Okay. Hard shell or soft shell tacos? I'm going to have to go hard shell. Chips and dip or chips and salsa? We're going to go chips and salsa. <laughs> okay. Stuffed animals or dolls? We're going to go stuffed animals. <laughs> Day and night? Mm, that's a good one. I'm going to go night. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Text message or call? I'm going to go with call. Book a movie? Movie. Library or museum? Museum. Love or money? Oh, that's a hard one because I love money. So I'm going to say love. <laughs> I'm going to say love. I'm going to go with love. Love. Wow. Wow. Um, all right. This is fun, man. You kind of, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of put me on my heels with this, man. You kind of travel by boat or travel by plane? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go plane. Right. Talk or listen? Listen. Teachers or parents? Parents. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Great job, brother. You came through with the rapid fire responses. That's pretty good. So talk about it. Why did you choose parents over the teachers? And it's not about one being better or worse. It's not that. It's just like, which one resonates with you the most 
when you are given the choice, right? It's not yeah. that you're necessarily picking one of the others, just one has more connection. So you said parents. Yeah. I um, mean, for one, parents are the most important, or well, one of the most important stakeholders because without them, we wouldn't have the students. And, you know, so they bring the students into our environment. It's extraordinarily important that we establish positive relationships with parents because that's what helps out, you know, um, the streamlined uh, things in school, you know, so whether it's home behavior, you know, and school behavior being uh, aligned to one another. So that way, you know, there's no discrepancies there. Or if it's, you know, addressing problem solving issues, say there's you're having an issue in class, you need to talk to your parents. So that way you can have that support at home as well as school, because in school, you only got like a 40 hour week uh, that could be undid in a 48 hour weekend if you don't have that home support. So. Wow. Wow. Man, that's phenomenal, man. So you're in education. Before we get into that, what kind of student were you, particularly sixth grade through high school, start about middle school? What kind of grades did you get? What kind of, did you get in any trouble? Were you always top of your class and studious? What kind of student were you, Mr. Gibson? You know, uh, I was a student that's always talking in class. <laughs> I was a student that's going to have to be, you know, I, I had needed that social aspect. I needed that class clown. You know, that's kind of who I was as a student. You know, academically, I was always strong, you know, um, but, you know, I did have some behaviors growing up uh, as well, just because, you know, you navigate in life and you use the skills that you that you think are efficient at the time. But as you grow older, you learn better ways to navigate life. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to get into education? No, not at all. You know, I, honestly, it was, uh, it was, you know what, uh, what how I would put it is, I'm um, not trying to get religious or nothing, but one of my favorite quotes is, coincidences are God's ways of remaining anonymous, you know, and uh, I had a uh, school counselor in high school, you know, college was never talked about in my household, it wasn't something that, you know, um, so I had no post-graduation plans. And uh, she called me in her office. She was like, hey, you got a 3.4 GPA. You're an African-American male. You haven't filled out one college application at all. I refuse to let you leave this office unless you fill out one. You know, um, I gave her every excuse I could to leave that office. You know, all right, just give it to me. I'll bring it back to you tomorrow. You know, she she she's read through right all that. You know, she was a very experienced educator. Made me sit down, filled out the application. It was the only one I ever um submitted i got accepted and wow. lo and behold coincidentally you know i became a school counselor that had that same impact on others wow did you get um so, so you mentioned college was never talked about in in your in your household mm -hmm. what was the expectation for you brother uh you know my, my dad was uh went to the army you know um my mom she went to college, but then she had me, so she didn't complete, you know. Um, so they were just thinking about getting a job, you know, and going from there, you know. But the the, the great thing about it and the way God works, you know what I'm saying, is once I was able to go through college and graduate, then I was able to encourage my mom to finish her degree, too. And she wow. Ended, and, wow. You know, she, she, so she, she finished? Oh, yeah, she finished. She ended up. Wow. Did yes, you sir. have to pay for college? Did you get a scholarship or what? Oh, no, I had to pay for college. Now, how was that conversation? You go from nobody even talking about it to you filling out one application, uh, getting accepted. Did you even apply for any scholarships or you? you I, didn't, I didn't have no idea about college. Just doing you know, the, yeah. She told me to fill out the app. I filled it out. That was that. And, you know, next thing you know, I got a letter in the mail saying you accept it. And then, you know, we're filling out the FAFSA. Wow. Yeah. How did your family respond? 
to you applying and being accepted? Did you tell them that you first applied or did you just apply and blew it off? Didn't say anything? What, what was that? What was that like? That was exactly what happened. You know, I filled out the application and once I left that office, I went about doing my business. You know, I was all about the social aspect, you know, the ladies, the, you know, I was working while I was in high school. So I was just focused on money and the social aspect of things. So once I filled out the application, I left. I never talked about it again. Forgot I actually filled it out until about three months later. And then I got a letter in the mail and I'm like, oh, what's this? You know, I opened it up and I'm like, oh man, and that's when the excitement hit. Wow. Yeah. The excitement hit. Man, that's this is bananas. This is a bananas story. And so what did you study when you went away to school? Uh, initially, you know, um, when I was about to go to uh, college, my senior year, I had a friend that passed away. Uh, he died senior year of high school, senior year of high school. He passed away, got shot in the head um, a few blocks away from my house. And that made me want to go to school for sociology, emphasis in criminal justice. Uh, the goal was to become a homicide detective. But uh, once I found out you had to be a police officer prior to, you know, uh, I modified those goals and, uh, you know, started looking at something else. So then I was thinking about maybe doing a lawyer. And then uh, when I realized law school is like 25000 a semester and they don't want you to work your first year, you know, then I was like, oh, man, I got to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do. And then lo and behold, you know, I started thinking about, you know, my life and I thought I was thinking about the counselor that impacted me. And that's what led me to school counselor. So you go to school, mm -hmm. you, 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 you navigate through that, you graduate. What's your first job? Uh, first job in high school or first job uh, after graduating college, after graduating college, I got a job as a paraprofessional at a therapeutic day school. Okay. So, um, yeah. Those students with like autism, uh -huh. and Asperger's, things like that. Okay. Okay. Oh man. So how did you get into educational leadership or how did you get to, you're a director of family services? Yeah, mm -hmm. student and family services. We, uh, well, first as a school counselor, when I was working there, I did a lot of leadership roles. Okay. Um, like I said, I always wanted to have an impact on the community. And when I was working as a school counselor, um, I forgot, I think it might've been a, I forgot what case was going on, but it was a huge case that had the America in the uproar. Um, maybe it was Trayvon Martin, maybe it was prior to that. I'm not sure, but it was a big one like that. And a lot of my students, we had school resource officers in the middle school. And a lot of the students would make um, like negative comments towards them, say different things towards them. Oh, cause you know, so you're in a diverse school. What, what, what city are you, are you doing all this work in? Where are you from? Uh, originally I'm from Texas, uh, moved to Illinois. Um, but you know, a lot of my work experience comes from the DeKalb area, whether it's Rock or DeKalb or, you know, some it's near about that. 45 minutes away from Chicago, about yeah. an hour or so away from Chicago. Not that, not, not that far. So mm -hmm. you're in a diverse environment. It's not all, it's not a predominantly black environment. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. So, when I, especially not when I got out here. Definitely not. Right. So something is going on. It's between that Trayvon, Mike Brown, something is happening. Yeah. Big. yeah and so kids in the school are are being racist. Uh, or not necessarily racist, but like um they were kind of targeting the police officers with negative comments. And you know, I knew some of them 
um, just because of working with them. I knew them personally and I knew that they, you know, they wanted to support the students, but they weren't able to because, you know, students seeing the uniform, they immediately go to those negative feelings. So they never really had that opportunity. So what I did was I worked with my school administrator and I was like, hey, you know, I see these uh, police officers in this light, you know, the students to see them in this light. So how we could bridge that gap is maybe we can have these officers take off their uniforms, engage in an activity that the students can see them in a different light. And so we ended up putting a, a, a basketball game together. So the police officers versus the teachers and, uh, you know, administrators and things. So police officers versus staff, we ended up the mission to get into that game was a toy. And it was during the holidays. So we donated those toys to Toys to Tots. So for families who uh, needed toys during the holidays, they got those. And then, you know, all the audience got to watch us play against the police officers. And, uh, you know, that brought a, a nice decrease uh, of, you know, negative uh, attitudes towards police officers. And after that situation, it ended up being an annual event. So seeing that impact that I had just coming up with an idea, I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. You know, um, but in order to get that uh, into play, I had to clear with all these administrators. So one of the administrators was like, why don't you just become a administrator? And I was like, man, that's a great idea. So then that's when I challenged myself to a higher degree and uh, joined, my, you know, jumped into master's program for educational leadership. Wow. Talk about the Diz Wiz series. How did, what is that and how did it come about? All right. So the Diz Wiz series is a social emotional uh, learning series. Um, it's basically a series of children's books that school counselors and social workers can utilize when they're working with groups. So how the series came about was um, as a school counselor, I started to develop themes. You know, what are these students coming to my office for? And once I developed those themes, I realized like no matter where I went, those things are always prevalent, you know? So I took the, 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 the most, the eight common themes that I just kept seeing over and over again. And I started putting them into publications. And then what I, what I was going to do is since it's a, it's a Diz Wiz series, there's going to be a total of eight publications, you know, in addition to that two workbooks, because typically groups run six to eight weeks. So as a school counselor, I was always piecemealing five different resources, you know, and then having to compile it to create my group curriculum. So that was exhausting. So I'm like, man, I'm pulling from eight different sources just to come up with one group curriculum. So how about I do this? I come up with these publications and then I have workbooks aligned with these publications. So all you have to do is just purchase these publications in the workbooks and you got six to eight week groups right there on eight of the most hot topics that you're going to probably uh, experience um, as a school counselor or a social group. Wow, that's phenomenal. And where can if so... Um... If a school leader, because this is this platform is in over a hundred countries, right around the world. If mm -hmm. a school leader wants to tap into the Diz Wiz series, where can they find it? Where can they get in touch with with you? And how how do you recommend that they interact with it? Yeah, uh, well, you can go to the DizWizSeries.com. You know, uh, you can go to Barnes and Noble. You can go to Walmart.com. Target.com, Amazon, you know, they all have the publications. Wow. The first workbook on the first four publications is coming out in January. So now you got all the uh, SEL activities aligned with the publications all in one package. That's just volume one, because like I said, we're going to do eight. So that's the first set. And then the second set is going to be coming. And you're going to have volume two with the workbook. But Phenomenal, you can brother. Phenomenal. Yeah, man, that, that, that's super, super dope. Hey, let's dig into the meat, man. Mm -hmm. what's from your perspective and by the way before i you know hey 
All of his contact information will be in the show notes. If you all want to connect with him, you'll be able to click on him and find him on Instagram and his website and all that good stuff. What's working for you in education, Rian? Like, what do you think is dope about education today? Man, the dopest thing that I think about uh, when it comes down to education is the fact that everybody plays a student, you know? You know, most students come to school and they look at their teachers as like, you know, they are the professionals. They are the, the masters of their craft. But in order to be a teacher, you never have to forget. You, you can never forget what it feels like to be a student, you know. So knowledge is always ongoing. So you got to constantly be ascertaining new knowledge, you know, and that's the beauty of education. There's never going to be a time when change isn't present or, you know, knowledge. You can't learn something new. So I, I just fell in love with just that ongoing cycle of just new knowledge you know uh, and then you start seeing levels of things like you know uh intelligence is here but then wisdom you know um is at a higher level you know maybe looking at things more holistically so it's just you know to me that's just the beauty of education and the beauty of just how everything just works together in sync with one another what all the you can apply to you know your life that's going to benefit you whether it's coping skills or whether it's financial skills you know learning knowledge really is power and I see a lot of people who may have uh, money, but if you don't have the knowledge of managing that money, you're not going to be successful and you're not going to have longevity. And that's what I think knowledge and education really gets you. It gets you that longevity component um, that really, you know, helps you out in the long term. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, man, you, you are opening up a lot of questions for me that I have for you as an African-American male um, educational leader. But mm -hmm. what are some of your challenges, your biggest challenges around education and things that kind of frustrate you? You know, I, I'm just going to be transparent. I'm a transparent person. I try to be open and honest at all times. Um, the biggest thing that frustrates me is sometimes hypocrisy in education. You know, and what I mean by that is this. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we address people like we don't want to be addressed. You know, and I'll give you an example of that. If I'm a if I'm a building leader and I have a staff meeting and you walk into my staff meeting late, you would like me to continue with the meeting to keep going. You wouldn't want me to spotlight that situation. You would want me to follow up with you on a one to one basis. But sometimes there's going to be, you know, if you're at an elementary school, you got a little eight year old that doesn't even drive. And if they come into your class late, you know. Some people may respond by chewing into that eight-year-old. Oh, why are you late? You know, school starts here. Now, if you wouldn't want me to address you like this, then I want you to have that same level of empathy with the students as well. You know, so and then also, you know, what I see is sometimes as a teacher, you may be a little less willing to step out of your comfort zone. But we ask students to step out of their comfort zone every day, learn new math concepts, you know implement new coping skills, you know, whatever it may be. So we can't be closed-minded and not willing to um, step out of our own comfort zones. And after all, you know, outside of your comfort zone is where growth really exists. Yeah, man, that's, that's amazing insight. That's the, that's the first time I heard someone respond with that um, in this section of, of, of the podcast, brother. So that's, that's real yeah. heavy, man. So you, and it really has like a, a, a huge impact on me just being a black male, because, you know, when you're talking about certain things like restorative practices, you're talking about equity and, you know, inclusivity and things like that. And when you start talking about, you know, everybody succeeding, sometimes you can see certain mindsets aren't um, necessarily geared towards 
you know, uh, embracing those mm -hmm. new concepts. You know, they may want to hold on to how things have traditionally been done and not want to embrace to, um, you know, maybe more effective methods to attain what they really want, you know? Because if mm -hmm. you really want this student to be successful, then sometimes we got to step out of our box to make sure that, that student, you know, gets what they need. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask you about that, being a Black man in education. Mm -hmm. educational leadership why do you think that there's so few black men in education man that that's that's a real loaded question because it is it, very multifaceted you know um and, and at one point i could just feel like that when you go through i know me personally i'm thinking of my high school years 99 i say 98 percent of my teachers were white the only, and and I say that to say this, 98% of my teachers were white. I had a 3.4 GPA. So you know what that means? All those teachers saw those papers getting turned in with above average grades on it. None of those teachers had a conversation with me that said, hey, and connected anything that I was doing to post-graduation. The only person that did that was an African-American woman who was my school counselor. You know, you don't even see your school counselor that often. At least, you know, I didn't in high school, you know, and, uh, so I think that sometimes that those relationships aren't built to, to foster, you know, um, the support. So they want to get into education, you know, and, um, you know, and then also if they don't see themselves represented in their teachers, you know, if you don't see yourself in it, then you might not see that's an uh, option for you to become. So that's why I like, you know, when I go into certain buildings now and uh, I see African-American students, and they're like, oh, you know, especially when you have a leadership role and they look at you like, you know, you can see the, the, the inspiration in their eyes. So I think we need to have that a lot more often so we can encourage more to, to, to join, you know, the platform. And we definitely have a huge need for it because I can't tell you majority of times I look at the office discipline referrals, it's majority written on the minority. And I can't count how many times I sat in my office and I'm looking across my desk at someone that just reminds me of me, you know, but when they go to the classroom, you know, they, the, the teacher may not see themselves in that student for cultural reasons, for, you know, whatever it might, might, may be, they don't see that themselves in that student, you know, and because of those differences, you know, I'll give you an example, because that could sound kind of complex. And like I said, it's loaded. So I want to make it as simplistic as possible and provide clarity for those who may be listening. But um, say, for instance, if I'm a teacher and in my household, this is the level that we speak to one another when we talking and we greeting each other, you know, but when I go to class, this person's, uh, you know, where they come from, they talk to each other a lot higher in tone, you know, to me, that could be disrespect because in my household, you know, people talking at that volume, that's disrespect. That's, you know, they're not taking into consideration everybody else around them in their household. They're just communicating, you know? So if I'm grading you off my rubric, you're going to always fail. You know, that's just like judging a fish climbing a tree. You know, if you judge somebody on somebody else's rubric, they're never going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So being able to be malleable, establish relationships and be multi, uh, be competent in multicultural skills is huge when it comes to educating all students. And that's something that's near and dear to my heart. That's why if you look at my publications, they, they rooted in diversity. I'll give you an example. Diz Wiz, Hungry Charlie, right? You've all, you've seen Feed the Children commercials, right? Yeah, I've never seen one Feed the Children's commercial where they had an African-American helping white kids ever. So that's what I did. In that publication, we flipped it. 
We got an African-American young man helping a white young man obtain community resources, you know, and we, and we talk. So you, you can have those deep conversations about it because if we don't see yourself in a, in a leadership role or in, in a position where you can give to others, then you're only, and you're only seeing yourself in the media reflected as being, having to be, you know, having someone give you something, then that might be how you start to see yourself. Like, you know, I don't have a, a leadership role. I just got to take a passive role in life and just, you know, people are going to give me handouts. No, no, that's not how it works. You know, we got to, we got to see ourselves in these positions, you know, and then that comes just like if you look at Congress or Senate, you know, when I go to, sometimes I'm not even gonna lie, I go to conferences sometimes and I look to the right of me and I look to the left of me and I see a sea of white. I'm the only black. So I had to get comfortable being mm. only one of me and constantly being outside of my comfort zone wherever I go. And, you know, that just made me intrinsically sound. And I want to make a lot of other people intrinsically sound as well. That's phenomenal, brother. And that's a great segue. Yeah, that's a lot of clips I can, you know, we can chop up off of what you just said that are going to enlighten others and uh, make others more aware. You definitely simplified it and made it digestible. Well, it's a great segue into this final question. Like, what do you think the future of education kind of looks like from your perspective? Like, set it up for us. You know, honestly, I, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. With COVID, that uprooted everything in regards to like how school is done. You know, I know a lot of people are thinking about virtual options. I know a lot of people are thinking about, you know, in person to me, I just want to simplify it down to just the core concepts. I want the first thing to do is to build relationships with your students. Cause I've never seen a student graduate a school and then come back to that school to talk about how that assignment or that test changed their life. But I have seen students talk about how that teacher changed their life. You know, I got a counselor story because of someone established a relationship. So I'm huge on relationships. I'm huge on making sure that um, we're partnering with parents and that we're working together and we're trying to streamline norms so we can, you know, derail these, uh, you know, the overrepresentation of certain groups and the, the the referral process. You know, so long story short, just to kind of answer your question, I wanted to, I want uh, education to focus on SEL. I want academics and SEL to be uh, in sync because you could be a 4.0 student, but if you get upset and punch somebody in the mouth every time you're mad, you could be flawless academically, but your social emotions is going to keep you from seeing, you know, your pinnacle of success. So I would like to see them go hand in hand. Is there anything that um, we haven't talked about or you wanted to make sure you communicated before you got out of here today? Yeah, you know, one thing I would like to say, and I'm not trying to do a shameless plug or anything. No, like no, no, that. it ain't shameless, brother. You here for that. I was yeah, plug but, it, plug know, away. But, but what I want to say is that, you know, I've been a school counselor. I've been in the trenches. I know the themes for which students are coming down to your offices for. And I understand the, the difficulty in having a piecemeal because there's not a lot of SEL curriculum out there. There's not a lot of group where you could buy this and boom, I got my group going and we, we ready, you know? And uh, so for any school counselors who may be new to the profession or who may be veterans in the profession and you still just need some resources, then the DizWiz series is going to serve that. Not only do we serve an educational and social emotional purpose, but we also have that uh, social justice and that diversity component in there just to make sure that all students are able to see themselves reflected in the curriculum and what they read. And they're able to see themselves in leadership roles embedded within that reading, not just a character or supporting character within that. Uh, 
literature component. No, that's 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 super super dope. And so again, all the show notes in the show notes, all of your contact information will be there for people to connect with you, to tap into you, to follow up with you. So yeah, that's that's super dope. We'll make sure that that happens. Um, so look, man, we're wrapping up. It's it's time. It's almost time to get out of here. But before we go, this is brand new to the podcast. Um, podcast now has a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Who? Poolofmusic.com is our sponsor. I'll tell you a little bit about Pool. So I am the founder and CEO of a company called Genius Lab, where we help young people, middle school through high school, focus on uh, career opportunities in technology and business, right? And some of our students built from scratch a music streaming platform. And so what I want to do is I want to highlight a song off of that platform and people can tap into it. But what I really want to do is I want to play a snippet of a song and I want your feedback. I want to know without anything, just what you think about it. So I'm going to share the screen now. You're looking at it, Mm -hmm. music, and then we're going to play a song from an artist called H2O. And just a little bit. Let's play a little bit of Old Man. So here we go. think of that man what is what you heard a little bit man what you think about that man you know i think that uh if they had it mixed and mastered a little bit better i'll be able to understand it i mean not understand it but uh digest it a little bit more um i would like to see more artists do some unique things man because when i was growing up i remember outcast goody mob you know Busta rhymes everybody had their own individual style and now i'm just kind of seeing more new artists wanting to be like the newer artists that are already out you know so um, just based on what I'm hearing, you know, it sounded like a lot of the things I've heard before um, just stated differently. But I think the mis- mixing and mastering of it, I get the sound quality where it needs to be. But I think if they uh, provide a new layer of just uniqueness, they'll set themselves apart and they might even be creating their own new lane and people start flocking to that. So I would, you know, encourage them to keep going, keep trying, work on that mixing and mastering and then uh, do something unique. Awesome, man. This is a again this is the first time we've ever had this segment to our show we're kind of testing it out i appreciate that feedback and uh h2o you heard it from somebody who ain't got no skin in the game and that's this feedback and that's the purpose of the platform so thanks to our sponsor pool for allowing uh the music to be heard today and support 
of dope people. Rian Gibson, educational leader from Texas to Illinois and the Rockford DeKalb area. Thank you for joining us on Dope People today. You have been absolutely amazing. We're glad to know you and now be potentially friends with you going forward, brother. Uh, thank you for inspiring so many young people, especially other African-American young men who need to see people that look like you in leadership. Yes, sir. So that's all we have for today. You already know what it is. Until next time, everybody. Peace.